This is the podcast for the journal Genetics and Medicine, published by Springer Nature. It's the official journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics. I'm Cynthia Graber. When Hilary Vernon, Associate Professor of Genetic Medicine at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, began working in genetic medicine about a decade ago, she started seeing patients with Barth syndrome. Barth syndrome is what would be considered an ultra-rare genetic condition, and it affects only males. And it is a condition that uh, affects probably one in 300 to one in 400,000 live births. There's probably between 200 and 300 people in the world with this. And um, it's a very serious condition. It causes heart disease as well as an immune deficiency from uh, low white blood cells called neutropenia. And there is no treatment um, that's based on the cause of the disease. Right now, treatment is symptomatic. She and her colleagues treated Barth syndrome patients from around the country, even around the world. And they also noticed a compound already under a clinical investigation called elamipratide. They thought it might be able to help their patients because of how it interacts with mitochondria, and mitochondrial function is key in Barth syndrome. Because of its recognized properties of targeting mitochondria, there have been a number of preclinical studies that sort of explain that it interacts with cardiolipin, which is the abnormal molecule in Barth syndrome, that it does something to improve mitochondrial function. And then a lot of prior work had been done in other diseases like heart failure to show that, uh, if anything, this was relatively safe and there may be some signals that this was going to have an effect, uh, a clinical effect. So there's, luckily, there'd been all this upfront work done that we didn't have to go through all the preclinical safety things and all of that stuff. It was kind of ripe for this kind of study. They enrolled 12 young men ages 12 and up. For the first part of the study, six received the drug and six received a placebo for 12 weeks. After a four-week washout, the two populations switched, and the researchers examined the resulting data. They tested whether the participants improved in how far they could walk over the course of six minutes. And we also anticipated that they would have a specific improvement on their a specific Barth syndrome symptom assessment scale. And then there were a whole bunch of other secondary measurements. So at the end of the placebo-controlled portion, neither primary endpoint was met. In other words, we didn't reach statistical significance either on um, improvement in fatigue symptoms that they reported, nor in six-minute walk test. But within that sort of placebo-controlled portion, there were some interesting signals where there were a couple of participants who really had more than expected improvement on various parameters. So it gave us hope that it might be a time thing, that the patients might need to be on the agent for longer in order to see an effect because they've been sick their whole lives. There have been a lot of uh, reasons for their uh, muscles to be weak and things like that. Maybe they needed more time to improve. For the second part of the study, the participants had the option to go on what's known as open label, where they know that they are receiving the drug. And after following eight patients for 36 weeks at the time of publication, those results have been far more promising. We saw significant improvements in a six-minute walk test. So the distance that they walked in six minutes improved by uh, um, uh, more than 90 meters, so much more than we thought we would see. Significant improvements in muscle strength, improvement in um, reported fatigue symptoms, among other things. So at that point, we really started to see improvements, which have now lasted as the open-label extension keeps going. Of course, there are limitations to the study. It's small because the pool of potential participants is so small, and the improvement in the open-label arm of the study could theoretically represent a placebo effect. That said, the researchers are seeing physical changes in the body, such as what seems to be increased stroke volume in the heart that couldn't be explained by the placebo effect. There are other limitations. The study can't capture what the impacts of the treatment might be for younger children who often have serious cardiac function issues earlier in life. And the scientists plan to continue following the participants on the drug to understand how it affects patients in the long term. 
But if the regulatory agencies approve this compound, it could become the primary therapy for Barth syndrome. And Dr. Vernon is excited by the impact it's already having on the cohort and what this could mean for other patients. A couple of our teenagers who prior to the study were too tired to uh, continue a full day of school now have part-time jobs after school. Uh, Of course, that's all changed in the setting of coronavirus. But prior to the coronavirus, they were able to actually take jobs after school. Uh, one of our participants who was struggling to finish, he's a, a grown man struggling to finish a full workday, uh, now goes to the gym three times a week, walks miles a week, does his full work and is feeling good. So we have seen certainly a lot of qualitative improvements that correlate with the quantitative improvements. So we're pretty thrilled. And, you know, I realize it's a little... Um, you know, selective to give these anecdotes, but they just mean a whole lot. Knowing that this population, knowing how long I've worked with them and how much it means to be able to accomplish those things. And your body can be as active as your mind wants it to be is really, um, it's, it's just been very gratifying. Genetics and Medicine is the official journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics and is published by Springer Nature. I'm Cynthia Graber.